I want to say good morning first. Today we are um, going to be looking at just one verse from the book of Galatians. So go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verse 1. It is wonderful. And really, uh, we're beginning a section that's just wonderful in this book written to the Galatians. It's really the theme of the entire book of Galatians. The theme is our freedom in Christ. We're free in Christ. And that is wonderful news. Wonderful news for the Galatians who are being led astray and wandering back into a life of slavery. And wonderful news for us who are tempted regularly to submit again to the slavery that Christ freed us from through His death and resurrection. And so let's read the verse together and then work through it together. Go ahead and stand and follow along as I read Galatians 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Let's pray. Father, we thank You and we praise You for Your Word. And we thank You for Jesus. And we, we confess to You and we know that as we approach this verse today, it is only because of Jesus that this is true. There is nothing about ourselves that brings freedom. And so we want to worship you through this, Lord, and we want you to guide us and help us to understand better who you are and who we are in Christ. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. We're going to look at this um, verse in two ways, two things primarily this morning. First is this, the gift of freedom, and second, the implication of freedom. If we are truly free, what does that mean? And first, the gift of freedom. One of the main things that Paul highlights in Galatians is that freedom is the gift of God through the work of Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You consider the statement that Paul makes here, for freedom, Christ has set us free. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Freedom has come. It is available to anyone through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ sets you free, Paul writes, to be free. In the context here, we know that Paul's saying this is to the Galatians who have been set free but are now seeking to enslave themselves again through the Mosaic law, submitting to the law rather than to grace in Jesus. Paul's written to them explaining how the law is a slave master. And he's reminding them of this, you have been set free to be free. It's for freedom that Christ set you free. So so don't go back into slavery by submitting to the law of Moses. You're free. The law is a yoke. It's slavery. And so for the Galatians to submit to circumcision and adopt the Old Testament law is to return then to the Sinai covenant, which Paul's been saying throughout is slavery. Why? Why is it slavery? Why is it that Paul's saying it's slavery to submit to what God clearly spoke? 
The answer is because they can't fulfill it. They can't obey the Mosaic law. It's a weight, it's a burden that they cannot fulfill. And that's part of what it means to be free in Christ. Jesus is the only one who could fulfill the law. When you read its demands, you learn that it is impossible to keep the law. But Christ did that. He came and He lived it perfectly. He fulfilled its demands perfectly. He did what we could never, ever do. So God gives the law, but He gives it ultimately as an arrow. It's pointing, it's directional, it's it's pointing to one who is coming, the only one who will ever be able to live according to the law that God has given us. And that's Jesus. And in doing that, when we come to Him in faith, He sets us free. The chains of the law are removed from us. Jesus obeyed God's law perfectly. He obeyed God perfectly on our behalf. You think about the freedom in that truth. The joy of that truth. If that is true, then think about the freedom that comes from from living in that. Paul tells these Galatians to stand firm in that freedom. To hold fast in that freedom. Let's respond, or let's spend some time thinking about that. Looking at, at this freedom. What does it mean to be free? What does it mean for those of us who are in Christ, or when Paul's writing here, what does it mean that he says that we are free in Jesus and through what Jesus accomplished? H.D. Betts says that Freedom is the central theological concept which sums up the Christian situation before God as well as in this world. He's saying this is the identity of Christians in the presence of God and in the world. Freedom. So what does Paul teach us about freedom? We need to look not just here in Galatians but also in in his other writing about what it means to be free. One of the things we learn about freedom in Christ, just from Paul's writing, is that it has to do with relationship. Freedom in Christ is based on relationship with Christ. It's in relationship to Christ, or relationship with Christ, that we stand innocent before God. If we stand on our own before God, we are guilty. We're enslaved. We're in chains to the law if we stand on our own. But with Christ, the chains are gone. And our identity before God is innocence. We are free from the curse of the law based solely on our relationship with Jesus. Paul tells us that because of Christ, we are free from the curse of the law. 
We saw in Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now, it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Christ redeemed us. He purchased us out of, He freed us from the curse of the law. Biblical freedom means freedom from the curse of the law. We, we no longer stand condemned. In relationship with Jesus, we are no longer condemned by God. The penalty of sin is fully removed from us. Our status before God no longer includes the identity sin or sinner. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 6, 17 and 18, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. Romans 6, 22, but now that you've been set free from sin and become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. In Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And now, because we have been freed from the curse of the law, we can live as God's free children. We can live in that identity. That's what Paul's saying here in Galatians 5, 1. You can live in the identity of freedom because you are free. That's certainly the message of Galatians, and particularly Galatians 4, 21 through 31 that we looked at recently. But listen, again, that has to do with our relationship with Jesus. If we have a relationship with Jesus, if He is our Lord and our brother, then and only then are we free. The second thing we learn about freedom in Christ is that it is the result of the death of Jesus Christ. We were captive to sin and the law. We were enslaved, but Christ's death redeemed us from the curse of the law. He sets us free. Now, why is that and how is that? Because He willingly took the punishment that we deserve for sin. He took that curse on Himself. So it's paid for. Christ took on Himself the punishment for our sin, the punishment for our enslavement. And He did this by becoming obedient to death. Jesus identified with us in our weaknesses. In our sin. And was treated 
literally as a transgressor. The only human to ever live according to God's law. The only human to ever live a perfect life was treated as if he had lived like we lived. Treated as if he was enslaved, cursed by the law of Moses. But he wasn't. He willingly went to the cross for our freedom. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And then we see from Paul that freedom means life. Life in the Spirit of God. We, we've seen in Galatians the work of the Spirit in this. But also remember Paul's words to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. Freedom is relationship with Jesus. And relationship with the Spirit. It's, it's walking in step with the Spirit and experiencing the freedom that 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 brings. It is true life in the Spirit. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans 8, 1 and 2, bringing together these three things, relationship, redemption through Christ, and life in the Spirit. Romans 8, 1 and 2, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is therefore now zero condemnation for those who are in relationship with Jesus. None. It's gone. If that doesn't define freedom in Christ for us, there is therefore now no condemnation. And therefore, there's no fear of condemnation. We can live a life of freedom knowing that we will never be condemned by God, not because of us, but because of Jesus, but because of what He accomplished for us. Freedom certainly refers to the reality that there is not one bit of condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because Jesus paid for it all. It's not that we're just treated as those who are not condemned. But we're set free from the power of sin and death. And we're set free from condemnation because Jesus was condemned for us. We're no longer bound to sin. We're no longer in the grip of sin. The shackles of sin and death have been literally broken by Christ. That's why Paul is urging the Galatians, don't, don't try and, and put the shackles back on. Stand firm in the freedom that you have been given in Christ. Believe the gospel
I would ask you, is that, is that it? We're just free to do and be whatever we want to do and be. Well, on one hand, I would, I would answer that, yes. Grace is grace, which is grace. That Romans 8.1 is 100% true. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the truth. That is the truth. That is true about you if you are in relationship with Jesus Christ. That is true. It's unfathomable how gracious God is. So is, are we free to do and be whatever we want to do and be? Yes, on one hand, yes. If we don't believe that, we don't believe that we're wretched. I mean, there's not a single day, there's not a day of your life that you are somehow worthy that day to make it to heaven. You're not apart from Christ. I am not apart from Christ. In John 2, when the people had squandered the blessing of the wedding feast, they drank up all the wine. What did Jesus do? He didn't stand there and proclaim judgment on them for their waste. He made more wine. Even to those who had squandered the blessings they received, He gave more. That's grace. I think, I think the wedding in John 2 is a picture of grace. I think of that so often as it relates to my own life standing before Jesus. Lord, I've squandered so much. Would you just make more? You just give more grace. More and more and more and more grace. I think that's the kind of grace we have and experience always in Jesus. That if we're in Christ, we really can do whatever we wish because the payment for sin is paid totally, past, present, and future. Now, some of you are nervous, and that's okay. I don't take back a word of what I just said, okay? So, what I'm about to say doesn't erase anything I just said. I believe that wholeheartedly. But I also think we won't want to Part of being set free is Jesus freeing us from living for ourselves. Part of the chains of slavery was not just living for the Mosaic Law or living for some, it's living for Tony. I've been set free from living for me. But I think Paul knew that this would be a temptation when he writes Romans 6 verses 1 and 2, where he writes, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? 
I think God is so gracious that Paul felt compelled to say, don't take advantage of how gracious God is. Because He really is that gracious. Tim Keller wrote this, modern people like to see freedom as the complete absence of any constraints. But think of a fish. Because a fish absorbs oxygen from water, not air. It is free only if it is restricted to water. If a fish is freed from the river and put on the grass to explore, its freedom to move and soon even to live is destroyed. The fish is not more free, but less free. If it cannot honor the reality of its nature, the same is true with airplanes and birds. If they violate the laws of aerodynamics, they will crash into the ground. But if they follow them, they will ascend and soar. The same is true in many ways of life. Freedom is not so much the absence of restrictions as finding the right ones. Those that fit with the realities of our own nature and those of the world. You see what he's saying there? Freedom is not the modern idea of having no restraints at all. We need restraints. Rather, it's being restrained toward what is good and right. It's freedom to be what we were created to be. And we were created ultimately to be worshipers of God. And so what are the implications of freedom in Christ? What does it mean to be free in Christ? What does freedom in Christ look like? What should it look like? We were created to worship God, to glorify Him above all things, but we're incapable of that apart from a work of God in us. To unshackle us from the curse of the law and free us to something. And what's the thing that we are freed toward? Righteousness. Rightness. Being free is being set free to be what God wants us to be. Being set free. Freedom. Is not being turned loose to be whatever we want. It's being incorporated into the life of God. And that life is mediated to us through Jesus. And it allows us, frees us to enjoy life in the Spirit. Have you considered that Jesus freed you so that you could do and be exactly what God wants you to be and do. Have you considered what that means for your living? And so we might ask, what does that look like? What does freedom look like lived out? What are examples of living in the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus? What does it look like to stand firm in our freedom? What does it look like to live in the freedom Christ purchased for us on the cross? Again, it's not simply being free to do whatever you want now. You were enslaved in a certain direction before Christ came and set you free, and now you are freed to go in a different and yet specific direction 
toward God. For Paul, being free is both personal, but also experiential. We're liberated to be what God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do. And so what are examples of that? First, we're, we're called to stand firm, just as the Galatians are called to stand firm in our freedom. So that means resisting the pressure or temptations to submit again to law. Whether that's the Mosaic law or just the mindset of living and doing according to some standard that we have given ourselves that if we can just surpass this line of quote-unquote goodness, we will be accepted by God. To going back to thinking that you've somehow got this. That it's your efforts that are winning your freedom. It never was and it never will be your strength or ability. It was and is always Jesus. So freedom is being set free from that mindset and now living in thanksgiving to God for what He has done for you through Christ. So also consider some practical things of what it, what it means and looks like. When, when, when we are enslaved to the law, we feel a need to do or be in a way that is admired or commended by other people. And so, when the opposite happens, we feel threatened or we feel angry. And I think a good sign that we're living under grace, that we're living in freedom, is that we no longer feel devastated when we're criticized. When things don't go our way, we aren't angry or remorseful if we don't get something we think that we deserve. But I think the primary sign that we are living, truly living in the freedom that Christ gives, that we're living under His grace, in freedom, is love. We love others well when we live in the freedom that Christ gives us. God sets us free for that purpose. He sets us free through Christ and in the Spirit so that we can love God and love others. We're going to see that clearly as we move more and more into Galatians 5. He sets us free so that we will love others well. Truly, I think this is the question that we should sit in if we want to know if we are living in the freedom Christ gives. How well do I love others? How well do I love other people? There's a biblical barometer for that, right? We're not blind in this. We close our eyes to what the Scriptures teach us about what love truly looks like. But we're not blind. We choose to not see those things. 
but we don't have to guess. Jesus says, they'll know you're my disciples by how you love one another. The greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. And the second, Jesus says, is like it, to love our neighbor as ourselves. What does it look like to live in freedom that loves your neighbor as much as you love yourself? To do to them what you would want to have done to you. Well, maybe you might say my, my neighbor is a liberal. Or my neighbor is pro-choice. Or my neighbor is unkind or God forbid, my neighbor shops at Target. God's word is truth. His word is truth. And his freedom is better than any other way I would choose to live or align my life. The Sermon on the Mount is true. Not just for the people Jesus was in front of when he first preached it. It's true for me. And as a believer in America, I need to wrestle with that. That Jesus was dead serious. That this is what my kingdom looks like. And if I don't look like that, then there's not anything wrong with his word. There's something wrong with my understanding of who Jesus is, what he has done, and what love really looks like. And what freedom really is. When we're called to be like Jesus and how we count others more significant than ourselves, there's not an asterisk there. It says, as long as they are blank or not blank. Count others as more significant, as better than yourself. Do to others what you would have them do to you doesn't mean, well, if I was as wrong as they are, then I would want someone to come and bully me into believing. It doesn't mean that. It means do to them what you would want them to do to you. It means I want to be loved. I desperately want to be loved. I want someone to genuinely love me with my faults and everything. I want to be loved and therefore I am called to love others that way. And who are the others? The Sermon on the Mount tells us it's everyone, including our enemies. It's everyone. Oh, that we would not just live, but delight in the freedom 
that we have in Christ. Freedom that looks like suffering. Freedom that really does look like we are unshackled from living for ourselves. Freedom that looks like we are set free from living for this world. You're a terrible sinner, and so am I. But Jesus loosed the shackles of sin and death, shackles that we deserve. And set us free to show other people what He looks like. That's wonderful grace. We're going to go into a time where we take the Lord's Supper. And there was, there was a cost to our freedom. Jesus paid the price to set us free. His body was broken. And His blood was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And now we're free. And so in freedom, let's take the bread and the cup today and let's call on the Lord from our hearts to awaken us to true freedom in Christ, to awaken us to the love that He gives and the love that He enables through the cross, freedom that comes only through Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love You and we thank You. You're so good to us, Lord. You're so gracious. When we're blinded by the things of this world, when we're blinded by our own desires, wants, things that don't look anything like you, Lord, you're so gracious to us. Your word says in Psalm 103, you know our frame. And so you don't treat us as we deserve to be treated. That's grace, and we praise you, and we praise you for the freedom that we have in Jesus. But just as we're going to see in, in coming verses in this chapter, Lord, we, we don't want to squander our freedom on living for ourselves. Help us to love the way you have called us to love. Help us to understand the love that you have called us to, Lord. Help us to be completely infatuated with Jesus and how you lived. And help us to respond in freedom following you. Be glorified, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen.